Welcome to the Shannon Plan. This is episode 91. Episode Eric Armstead, who had one heck of a season last year. Dear 49ers, leave Eric Armstead inside. Good things will happen. I'm joined by Akash. 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 Off to a good start. Um, Akash, what's going on, man? How's life? What's up, KP? How are you feeling, man? Your son's got knocked out on uh, Sunday. I mean, they got their ass kicked. Who you, who you pulling for now? Look at this guy. I forgot to show up. Uh, <laughs> just KP's got a Devin Booker. Job. Devin Booker bobblehead. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. I was I was looking forward to Suns and Warriors, man. That would have been fun. That would have been um, – I was series, too. But turns out Luka is better than everybody ever, so we won't have a chance to see that. Um, 49ers land – well, I was going to say PGA Championship, but we don't have to do that. Like what? So what are we? Ta- what's the sports life like for you now? So like, I'm a baseball guy, so I can watch baseball. I have no problem like uh, watching baseball. I can watch playoff hockey. I like um, any any and all sports, honestly. And, and to be honest, the playoff hockey as of late has been pretty intense and just fun to watch. So, what well, are you? What what sports are you watching? It kind of sets up nicely because right after the draft ends, it kicks right into playoff basketball and playoff hockey. And usually it's like round two, so the games get a little bit more meaningful. So that's probably my go-to right now is, is playoff basketball, playoff hockey. Uh, and then PJ Championship coming up this weekend. You, you got some bets going on this weekend? <laughs> you know it, fellow degenerate here. Um, Colin, Moriaka, top 10. Scotty Scheffler, top 10. Hideki Matsuri, top 10. Shane Lowry, top 10. Let's go with those, and let's uh, let's see how it works, you know? Hopefully. Just let it ride. Yeah. Uh, plus 275 or better. We'll take those odds. Who, you got a you gotta pick for me, for me, PGA Championship? Oh, I feel like you can't go wrong with Scotty Scheffler. I, I read somewhere right. Southern Hills, which is the golf course they're playing at, is his favorite course ever, and he's got, like, what, five, four wins, five wins, something like that. So... I think it's going to be a fun weekend. All the pairings are out. They look fantastic. Should, should be fun. Go, Scotty. Okay. NFL-wise, it's been quiet, and it's going to be quiet. The Eagles just landed a cornerback, James Bradbury, who is pretty good, and I think a lot better than the general public realizes. The Eagles are putting on a master class of how to build a team when you're a quarterback or when you have a rookie contract. Uh, quarterback and 49ers they are taking their time with figuring that part out um so we're still here may 18 and you know every week it's something different and whether it's peter king talking about it's going to be okay with jimmy g on the roster everybody has their opinion it seems like they're it's the same talking point over and over and over but we're not going to talk about that we're going to take a break from the quarterback talk today we're going to get to the nfc west defensive rankings but Let's talk about ESPN's FPI ranking. So they put out a every year they do this annually and it's a projection and their projection last year heading into the season had the 49ers ranked ninth, which makes sense. Uh, 2020 was a little bit of a a rough year just because the Niners were injury plagued, but everybody figured that they would bounce back. They made the playoffs. Weren't sure how deep of a run they would make, but they made it to the NFC championship this time. Um, another their projectors win 10 wins so probably just another wild card team who knows you know how how long they'll or how far they'll get but uh, ESPN doesn't think that they're going to make a deep run and th- a lot of that is just due to the uncertainty of Trey Lance um, a model cannot project Trey Lance because they don't know what he's going to do because there are not enough reps 
to you know take away of what he's going to do. And the model had ESPN's model had Trey Lance grouped with like guys like Joe Flacco. <laughs> so Matt Corral, uh, yes, like guys who Trey Lance should not be in the same group with. I think uh, what there was like Nick Foles or there was another a couple other backups in there. Uh, what I want to get to is, and we can talk about the FBI rank or whatever. I think the the playoff predictions is what stood out to me. So ESPN gave them, gave the 49ers a 39% chance of making the playoffs, which you know, for a team coming off the NFC Championship, for a team that's been there a couple of times in a few seasons now, um, it might feel like they're that's a slight to the Niners. But just the year-to-year, the uncertainty, like how many times is a first-year starter going to make a playoff run like that? That's one argument. The other argument is like, how many times is a first year starting quarterback going to take over a roster like the 49ers has? So um, it can go both ways. And again, this first year starter, he's, you know, it's not like he's this unknown commodity that ESPN's projecting. It's like he's a top three overall pick. Like Trey Lance went that high for a reason. And that had a lot to do with this quarterback class. And I mean, they, they felt like he was better than other guys like Justin Fields, like Mac Jones. So we'll see. What do you what do you think about that, though? Thirty nine percent. Does that feel too low? Does that feel right? Sound about right? When you say thirty nine percent, it feels a little low, given how talented this 49ers roster is, how, you know, well-rounded the coaching staff is with Kyle Shanahan and D'Amico Ryan. It feels low. But then you take a step back and you say, well, they're starting Trey Lance, who hasn't you know, he's only started, what, two and a half games in his life uh, in the NFL. So it's hard to project what that's going to look like over a 17-game schedule. And that's that was part of my gripe with uh, predicting the 49ers, like, win-loss record next season. Like, oh, this game's going to be a win. This game's going to be a win. This game's going to be a loss. Because if you talk through the schedule, it's hard to project what Trey Lance is going to look like in certain situations. Like, what's he going to look like? Week three on the road in Denver, Sunday night football against Russell Wilson or at home against Tom Brady week 14 when, you know, maybe they're making a playoff push. Like, what's he going to look like in these different situations? Ironically, I have an idea of what Jimmy Garoppolo is going to look like just because we've seen it uh, in the past few years. You know, there's going to be some bad. There's going to be some good. um, And overall, you have an idea. There's some baseline just because you've seen what it looks like, whereas you don't, whereas you haven't with Trey Lance and, so it's hard to put a percentage to that, but just when you say 39% chance, it feels low just given how talented of a team they are. Yeah. And one thing that is kind of interesting just to spin spin that is like, how will Lance deal with the highs and the lows of just the NFL season? So like we expect him to light up the bears and light up the Seahawks, but will he be even kill when he has to go on the road against Denver? When he followed, let's say he puts up a stinker against the Broncos and then he has to come back against the Rams and knowing their regular, regular season success against the Rams. Imagine if Trey Lance on Monday night football and then it's going to be like, well, Jimmy never lost to the Rams. And that's exactly what's going to happen. But um, it, the stories and the storylines that come with Lance. And of course it's always going to be tied with Jimmy. um, That'll be just something to keep an eye. Okay. So if, if the 49ers have a 39% chance to make the playoffs, what are the other teams in the NFC? Like, who are they projecting? So the Rams, like that's going to be one. The Bucks, that's two. And then I feel like after that. Packers. 
Yeah. So Packers, did you say Packers? Though. Yeah. So yeah. those three. And then after that, you can make an argument. The NFC East, obviously, they're winner. But I don't think the Cowboys are a lock as – I mean, they're projected to make the playoffs. But the Eagles are going to give them a run for their money. Will the NFC East have two teams? Everybody thought the NFC West would have three teams last year. And that happened. But the Cardinals don't have DeAndre Hopkins for six weeks at least. And who knows how they'll be. Um I mean, we're projecting Trey Lance to be good. We're projecting the 49ers to be good because, I mean, D'Amico Ryan's in his second season, I imagine will be better. And I, I don't feel like that's being talked about enough. Um, but With you could Vic just go Fangio down the line. Him out. <laughs> right. Vic, Vic Fangio, who retired, quote unquote, retired from football, but was, was at a rookie mini camp on Friday. Like this dude cannot help himself from being away from the game, man. Um, I, with the talent that they have on defense, especially along the defensive line, like how would Fangio walk away from the sport, man? Uh, uh, it, go ahead. Uh, not to pivot, but you couldn't pay most fans to go watch day one of rookie minicamp because half the guys like aren't going to make the team and it's just a bunch of random dudes. But Vic Fangio, who's a multimillionaire, on a Friday afternoon in Northern California when, you know, he just came off being the head coach, decides to go watch rookie minicamp in San Francisco. Just how how much of a football junkie do you have to be to spend your Friday afternoon watching rookies and undrafted free agents and, and players that are trying out for the team? But that that's an aside. Vic Fangio has been in the NFL since 1986. And it's 2022. And he still has the urge to get out in rookie camp. That says something about these guys. But all right. Um, potential playoff teams with the Saints. The Saints were pretty good for the most part last year. I mean, they had to trot out some quarterbacks. They had no business playing. But they could have easily been a double-digit team if they had stayed healthy. And, you know, they had Chris Olave. They get Michael Thomas back. Um, that's a potential one. I don't know what to make of the Vikings it's the NFC North, so I don't think highly of that division to begin with. So they could sneak out some wins. Um, but, like, could it be the Eagles? Maybe, but they're already, like, so again, it. I don't know where to go with that. For every argument you make, it comes back to, well, yeah, the 49ers will probably be better than them. So 39% does come off a little low. But again, there could be a stretch of games where Lance just doesn't put it together. And those stretch of games, whether it's three, four, whatever it is, could be the difference in the season. Last year, the 49ers were like, if they lose to the Bears, they're not making the playoffs. Like They have to go on an incredible run. And yes, um, Debo had that 83-yard run or whatever, or 83-yard screen pass. I'm not going to give the quarterback credit for that. But um, what I will say is that Justin Fields run to come within a point in the fourth quarter, I think it was the, the beginning of the fourth quarter, maybe it's the end of the third, but it was 23-22. If the Bears don't hit that extra, or if the Bears hit that extra point, things could be looking a lot different. And we could be talking about how Lance performed with like um, a whole second half of starts under his belt, as opposed to, um, an NFC championship. So the what if game for the 49ers could look a lot different if just the Bears hit an extra point, but it takes a lot of luck and a lot of teams benefit from luck. But um, in short, do you think the 49ers make the playoffs? Absolutely. Especially in this week, weaker NFC, 
1,000%. And let, let me just list the teams that are ranked above the 49ers in the NFC in this uh, in ESPN's Football Power Index. Packers, Rams, Bucks, and, and we agree that makes sense. Then you've got Dallas, Arizona, Minnesota, Philadelphia, the Saints, Commanders, and then the Giants and the Lions. Those are the teams ranked above the 49ers. <laughs> the, the Giants. Yeah, right, man. If if the Giants finish with more wins than the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan has some answers to give out because that would be all bad. If Dan or Brian Dable is the coach of the year. Right. Like he he must have just turned Daniel Jones into Josh Allen. Um, that would be something. I don't see it happening. Okay. Let's talk about so I love when people will always poop on analysis when they don't agree with them. But when they do, when they say something that's, you know, that they agree with, oh, love this prediction. Love this guy. So Nick Wright, who I'm sure many of you are aware of, he has some takes. And let's just put it at that. Let's leave it at that. He predicted the 49ers to finish 14-3. and Is there a better chance of the 49ers missing the playoffs or finishing 14-3? and Because that would mean – we're talking like like multiple five-plus winning streaks in a season. Like they would have to go on a tear and just look unbeatable. That would be essentially Trey Lance living up to the number three overall pick right out of the gate and like not missing a beat or uh, Nick Bosa, defense player. You, like you can go down the list of, of things that have to happen for this team to go 14-3, and three, but man, that would be one hell of a season. What do you think? That's a really good question. And for them to only lose three games in a schedule where they play the Rams twice, the Cardinals twice, uh, they play the entire AFC West, which we think is going to have four good teams. And then they play Tampa Bay, the, the rest of the NFC South, which isn't, which isn't great. But there are a lot of good teams on that schedule. And so for them to only lose three games, according to Nick Wright's prediction, is hard to believe but if that were to happen you'd have to imagine trey lance is an mvp candidate kyle shanahan coach of the year candidate nick bosa like you mentioned probably a defensive player of the year candidate D'Amico ryan's probably uh an assistant coach of the year candidate like they they must have done a phenomenal job if they were to go 14 and 3 and i feel like people underrate how difficult that is <laughs> in 2019 and doesn't happen you know the yeah, the 49ers had, you know, effectively a perfect season up until the last 10 minutes of the Super Bowl. They went 13 and 3, and a lot of uh maybe some of their wins weren't coin flip games, but some of the losses certainly were. So, I feel like we underrate how difficult it is to go 14 and 3, and so if we were just to say what's more likely, I would say missing the playoffs is more likely than going 14 and 3. And that's solely because it is extremely difficult to win that many games in the National Football League. Yeah, 100% agree. So you bring up 2019, and, and I feel like that's a good example just because – so 13-3, and three, they have the overtime game against the Seahawks, and that was a loss. They have the Falcons game where they lost 29-22, but I don't feel similar. like – I don't feel like a lot of people understand those type of games – like those just clunkers that you put up, those happen for every team and usually once or twice in a season. So 
we're ruling out that that happens if they're going to finish 14 and three, unless of course you're, you're acknowledging that's one of their losses. Uh, who's the other game that they lost to? It was the Seahawks. It was the Falcons. And Saint, why, why no. uh, Ravens oh, right Saints. in Baltimore, the Ravens. Oh, they did on the road in that rainy game. 17, 20. Yeah. I remember. Cause that was the, uh, that was a Justin fourth Tucker and two play. Goal. I remember Debo scored on a fourth and two play and it was like a, Jimmy closed his eyes and threw it up and he scored. <laughs> Man, but that, that just that makes was one sense. Debo wore sleeves. He wore sleeves and he had like the he had his like full beanie because it must have been cold and rainy in Baltimore late in the season. I forgot how much they traveled that year. I mean, they had a Baltimore and New Orleans back to back like late in the year. So that's what we're talking about when we mean like you only have three losses, but I mean that that season was incredible. We're talking like they're putting up fifty points against the Panthers, like. They were mowing through people, and that was an established team. Like that was one of the better defenses I've ever seen. And the, this this version of the 49ers defense is very good. I don't know if they're gonna be that level of good. Okay, let's talk about the NFC West rankings because that's what we're here for. Um, last week we ranked the NFL or the, the offenses in the division. So let's start. We don't really have to waste time on the defensive line because we should, we would be comparing the 49ers defensive line to um, the rest of the NFL and not just the NFC West. But let's talk about the depth here because I think we would all agree that the 49ers have the best defensive line in the NFC West. But who's going to be the breakout player? So, for example, last year, Arden Key was just unreal. And he came out of nowhere. And I think it had a lot to do with how he was used because he was moved inside and he got some favorable matchups. I predicted the breakout player would be Charles Aminahue just because his age, his size, his speed. And again, like he's going to be a guy who, who knows how to win inside and can win with like the first step. He doesn't have to have this repertoire of pass rush moves. He can just be an athlete and beat guards who he's bigger than and more athletic than. And, um, when you kick inside, that's, that's, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to simplify it to that, but essentially that's what Arden Key did, but you have options. And for me to bring up Charles, I mean, he kind of tells you the depth that they have. So they signed uh, Kameko Ture, who has NFL experience and has a, you know, he, for the Colts, he put up some numbers. There is Kerry Hyder, who I don't know what to expect this time around. I, I just don't think he'll be as effective this time around as he was uh, for the 49ers in 2020. But we is know he that he can produce. I do. That's a great question. That's a really good question. I'm not sure that he does. So, okay, let's talk about that. It's, so we have Nick Bosa. We have – so I'm not counting Eric Armstead as – Drake Jackson. Yep, we have Bosa, Drake Jackson, Samson Ebercom. Um, I don't know why D4 – Charles Amenehu, Jordan roster. Willis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you – I mean, just names on top of names. Kamoko Ture. It's probably going to be what Hyder Ture is who it comes down to. Probably, I think and makes it. And they gave Ture a million dollars guaranteed. I think and oh, I don't know the what they gave Kerry Hyder. I actually think it's under a million now that you say that. Um, man, I which well, makes sense. Kamoko Ture is the younger, more athletic player. I, I would give that player more more money guaranteed, and just hope that Chris Casera can continue to do his magic because I think he had what five sacks last season. Uh, Hyder has 750k um, guarantee, and he's 31. Okay. Yeah, Kamoko Ture got man. million dollars, I think. So, I mean, that, just all of the names we mentioned, and then we didn't even go to the guys inside. 
Um, Javon Kinlaw, what is he going to do? Who knows if he stays healthy? That but was going to be my it, pick. Right. And and that that would be a popular one, and I could see why. Um, Maurice Hurst showed flashes, but he has to stay healthy. They signed Hassan Ridgeway. Um, and there's always, you know, rotational players like Kevin Givens. Why would you pick Javon Kinlaw? <laughs> Funny enough, kind of unrelated, but uh, someone I, I saw when the 49ers posted the rookie jersey numbers, someone was like, why isn't Drake Jackson wearing 99? And all the replies were like, well, <laughs> Javon Kinlaw has that number. That's uh, beautiful. And I was like, man, people forget fast when you don't play for whatever, three quarters of the He's season. He's a first but- round pick. I know he was a top 15 pick. He was an NBA lottery pick effectively, but uh, no, I just think Javon Kinlaw uh, just seems to be in a, in the right headspace this season. And that's part of the battle in the NFL. It's just, you know, upbeat, staying positive mentally. And just with the injuries that over the past few years and what he's gone through, I'm sure it feels good to be healthy and, I'm sure a little bit of the pressure has also come off, right? Because now you don't have the expectations of living up to being a top 15 pick. Honestly, if you're a productive player, if you're what DJ Jones was to this defense, while you may not have lived up to the expectations of the pick, you'll still be viewed as a productive player. So I think that in combination with the fact that by all accounts, it seems like his knee is finally healthy. He's finally working out. He's mentioned how healthy he is. I don't know. I think alongside Armstead and Nick Bosa and all the edge depth that they have, I think Kinlaw is going to be the guy that breaks out. And like I said, on this defensive line, I feel like he's the forgotten one a little bit. And I think he's going to remind people why 49ers drafted him that high. He's due. I mean, during his rookie year, Javon Kinlaw was pretty good. And I think people don't remember that either. So he didn't, he didn't put up like the, the gaudy sack numbers. But he was productive, and he got after the quarterback a little bit, and he was like a dominant run defender out of the gate. He just couldn't stay healthy, and he was on and off the field, and obviously that you know that played out last year as well. But, I mean, the reason I picked an interior guy, and I know Charles, I mean, he was technically an edge rusher, but you're going to have Nick Bosa commanding a lot of attention on the edge. And then if Eric Armstead stays inside, teams are not going to be able to block him team. one-on-one, so they're going to have to send help to him. So you're going to have two guys who are going to have one-on-ones for the majority of the game, whoever those guys are, like there's no reason for them not to produce. And you know, D'Amico Ryan's going to send the house and blitz a lot. So even more opportunities um, for one of these defensive linemen, maybe even two of them to really show out. So um, I don't think there's a wrong answer here. Yeah. Like Fred (laughs) Warner and Aziz Alshire, who we're going to get to right now, like they're going to, probably have a lot of pressures and sacks and hurries. Okay, let's talk about linebackers and let's rank the linebackers. So last year, you know, when Bobby Wagner was still in these NFC West streets, people were convinced that, you know, the Seahawks um, still had the better linebacker core. I don't think so. I think Aziz Alshire is better than Bobby Wagner last year. I think he would be better than him this year. So now they're the Seattle, they're left with Jordan Brooks and a bunch of names. I mean, as effectively, you could go down – any position group, and I feel like the 49ers would probably win out. So if you go to the Cardinals, they have two young guys, back-to-back first-rounders, Isaiah Simmons and Xavier Collins. They had to – they would not put Xavier Collins on the field last year. So that's how that's how well he was doing for Arizona. The year before, Isaiah Simmons, they couldn't figure out where to play him. When they did find a spot for him, um, old Shanahan put a target on his back. So, like, 
I don't think Arizona just knows what they're doing. <laughs> and that's been pretty evident as far as the Rams go. Like, could you even name a Rams linebacker? And the majority of you probably could not. So that just kind of tells you what they're dealing with. Obviously, they just signed Bobby Wagner. But like, I don't know. Like, they have Ernest Jones, who was a third-round pick in 2021. If you don't know who that is, that just means you're a normal human being and you don't study the NFL. But, I mean, it comes back to the 49ers. Fred Warner, all-pro, best linebacker in the NFL. It's been the case since 2019. It took people a year to catch up. Um, like we haven't mentioned Dre Greenlaw, who we thought maybe he would be traded just because you know he has one year left on his deal. But I don't know. Like, there's still think it's a possibility. What what would be the value? Look now, you're going to get a future pick, but and okay, explain why do you think it's possible? Because we're a lot of times and using Debo as an example, and obviously the conversation would be much different for Debo than Dre Greenlaw. But um, you're if you move Dre Greenlaw, you're like you're telling us that okay Aziz is better and that's our future but why do you think it's uh why do you think it's possible well he, here's how it's going to work out Dre Greenlaw and Aziz Alshire are both on the last year of their contract Dre Greenlaw is obviously on his four-year rookie deal which uh I believe ends this season uh and Aziz Alshire is on an RFA tender so he will also be a free agent at the end of the season meaning Fortnite's are probably not going to pay both guys because that's just not how it works in the NFL. They've got Fred Warner on a big contract. And so they'll pick one of those guys to sign. And rather than let one of those guys walk in free agency and just wait for a comp pick, which won't convey till 2024, you might as well try to see what you can get for uh, either Dre Greenlaw or Aziz Alshire in, uh, in a trade, like during training camp or during the preseason when rosters are shuffling. We've seen this in the past. The Niners have dealt Jonas Griffith to Denver. They've traded running backs. I feel like they do this a lot where they get to training camp and they realize they have a surplus at a position and they move that player. And I'm not saying the trade competition is going to be like that big. You know, I would imagine it's a day three pick, right? I mean, he was a drafted sixth. in the fifth round. So like, yeah, what are you expecting? Exactly. But I'd imagine if they were, you know, if they realize they get into training camp, like one player is significantly better than the other or whatever, then I could see something like that happening. And, you know, with Drake Greenlaw, you end up saving uh, like two million bucks. So that would be the other that would be the reason why I would try to move Greenlaw first. Um, so I think I think it's a possibility, but we'll, we'll see. No, that's a good point of just letting itself letting it play itself out once camp starts. And then if you just see that there's like, even if it's close, even if let's say Aziz is an eight and Dre is like a seven, seven and a half, like that's probably worth saving too many dollars. And, you know, you can, I mean, if, if you navigate the salary cap, like you're supposed to, that you can make that $2 million go a long way. Unfortunately, this team does not know how to navigate the salary cap, but we can save that talk for another episode. Okay. Um, let's talk about the secondary because again, like the 49ers just can be ranked top in defensive line and, I think comfortably top the linebackers too. I would make an argument that yep. uh, the combination of Fred Warner and Aziz Alshire is probably the best linebacking group in the NFL. I don't think they, people okay. are aware. Go ahead. Qu question for you. Do they have the best defensive line and the best linebacking core in the NFL? Trying to think of other top linebacking duos that I would take. Like just Fred Warner is so much better than everybody else that I, the gap – 
It's hard to find a number two that's as good as Al- Aziz Alshire or Drake. Greenberg. Right. So that's the thing. And Fred Warner already, you know, an elite linebacker. And you look at some of the top linebackers in the NFL, you're like, well, who's the guy's, you know, who's that guy's running mate? The only one that comes to mind is probably Tampa Bay, right? Devin White and uh, his running mate, 54, whatever, David. whatever his name is. Yeah, Levante David. Yeah. Um, so Devin White gets his pub because he was a high draft pick. He's not close to Zizal Shire. And like to, to put him in the same sentence as Fred Warner just tells me like you have no idea what you're talking about. So I'm not going to take anybody seriously who feels that way. Um, yeah, I would say, yeah, uh, just because the depth of the 49ers defense line, like they can come at you in waves and their second unit gets so much pressure just because like the offensive line already worn down from dealing with the first team. And um, like just we saw last year, like what Arden Key was able to do. Like, so many guys come at you in so many different times. So, yeah, I, I, I think mean, they're front seven. They're front seven is tough. But let's go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say, if you throw on the tape from the last, like, five, six weeks of the last season in the playoffs, that defensive line dominates. And they arguably got better this season. I mean, they right. the only real loss was Arden Key, and they've added just a bunch of different guys in return. Okay. So, the secondary has been the issue for the 49ers. Last year – um they had to sign josh norman and if that doesn't tell you how you know many how many issues that they've had just at the cornerback position in general um nothing will but okay they, they made some changes they they went out and signed Traverius ward who again is going to be a significant upgrade not just from norman but from ambry thomas who just was put in a position to play when he wasn't ready to play and he gave it all he had like he competed he did everything he could but in the nfc championship game they were targeting him. Like they made sure to put Odell Beckham on him or whether it's Cooper Cup, whoever it may be. And he just wasn't up to task. I think Emmanuel Mosley as a CB2 is at his best. Like that is probably his ceiling. And that's not a bad thing when I say that too. I want to make that clear that just because a guy isn't a CB1 doesn't mean he's worthless to a defense. Like every team needs probably three cornerbacks and and Mosley's certainly good enough to be a CB2. So you have Traverius Ward, you have Emmanuel Mosley, not sure what we're going to get with Jason Verrett, but I mean, even if he st- if he lasts, what, like five games, that'll be five quality games, I imagine, just because like he can move unlike anybody else. And then another year of development for Ambry Thomas. I don't think that Diamondor Lenore is going to, you know, be able to give them any value. But the safety Is he making position, the roster? Diamondor Lenore, that's a great question. So think about it. I just named Mosley. He's going to make it. Ward's going to make guys. it. Brett's going to make it. Thomas is going to make it. Haven't said the guy that they freaking drafted, Samuel Womack, who was a fifth-round draft pick just like Dan Lord and Lord, but I think he is more versatile, and he has, like, just worlds better Tariq as Castro far Fields. as an athlete. And, yeah, they have a special teamer in Tariq uh, Castro Fields. So I don't think Lenore's spot's guaranteed by any means. So, that no, that's an interesting question and probably something that we should ask or just, you know, be aware of. So go inside – uh, Jaquaski Tart is no longer on the roster. Now that is going to be the combination. Or you have George Autumn, you have Talano Funga, you have Tarverius Moore, and then the other safety spots, Jimmy Ward, who, I mean, he can do it all. So where does the 49ers secondary rank compared to the rest of the division? So let's talk about the Cardinals first. You have Byron Murphy. You have Buda Baker, who is the best I don't want to say he's the best, but he's he's probably one of the better safeties in the NFL. And, and I mean, look at the, the Seahawks safeties 
Quandre Diggs, Jamal Adams. Like that's a good duo, but they have cornerbacks who you can take advantage of. And then everybody knows about Jalen Ramsey, but if if I were to ask you guys to name somebody outside of somebody in the secondary that's not named Jalen Ramsey for the Rams, you would probably struggle. So they have some Halo younger Rapp, guys, Jordan Fuller and Troy Hill. Yeah, like well, you should know that, yes, but <laughs> the casuals are unlikely to know who um, like Taylor Rapp is or who um, like they, they have not just uh, Taylor Rapp, they have Jordan Fuller, who is like a, a six round pick in the, in the 2020 draft. Like a lot of people aren't aware of who those guys are. So the Rams have a lot of youth in the secondary. And when you have youth and inexperience in the secondary, that's how you create big plays. Um, what, what do you think? Where do the 49ers rank secondary wise compared to the rest of the NFC West? Are they the top dogs? I don't think the 49ers are the top dogs, uh, primarily because of the question mark at the safety spot opposite of Jimmy Ward. Now, I think they can develop into becoming one of the better better secondaries uh, in the NFC West as the season goes along, just based on, you know, how does Traverius Ward fit in this defense? And we both think he's going to be really good. Who ends up being the slot corner? Is that Emmanuel Mosley on passing downs? Uh, I read that Samuel Womack um, didn't actually take any reps at slot corner during rookie mini camp, so who knows what that means. Um, Did, was so, he on the outside the whole time? He was on the outside primarily, yeah, which which is interesting because he's, what, five foot nine, but he has a right. long wingspan, so, you know, can he be like what Darius Williams was to the Rams? Uh, kind of a smaller player, but that, you know, still plays on the outside. Um, yeah, I think as the season goes, we'll get a better idea. I just can't say they're the best secondary right now in the NFC West. The best player the in the secondary in the NFC West, probably Jalen Ramsey. But like you mentioned, the other guys on the Rams, there's a steep drop-off there. You'd probably say the Cardinals have the best secondary right now, uh, just given Byron Murphy and Buda Baker there. Um, and then you'd probably put San Francisco too, but I think – San Francisco, Los Angeles, pretty close, 2-3, and then I would probably put Seattle last. And that's probably just because I hate Jamal Adams a little <laughs> too much. But uh, Quandre Diggs is probably their best best player in the secondary, and then, they're, again, their corners, you could take advantage of them, I think. So I would say they're probably clearly fourth. Arizona's probably one, and then kind of San Francisco, L.A., somewhere in the 2-3 spot. So I don't – think that Byron Murphy or just like what the Cardinals present outside of Buda Baker is as, you know, as good as others think. But again, like we're talking about the NFC West and it's probably easier just to like rank the players in general. So the top three pretty comfortably for me would be Jalen Ramsey, Buda Baker and Quandre Diggs. And then from there, like you can make an argument for Jimmy Ward or Traverse Ward. I was say, where does Jimmy Ward go? Yeah, I Jimmy Ward would probably be top five just because of all the different things that he can do. Um, it would help if he could catch <laughs> and um, his extension would look lovely if he could catch. But I mean, that's just, that's his game. Like we, we know that there are, do you remember the saints game? I, I think it was two years ago where pass hit him like right in the chest and he just, just dropped it. And I think they actually went on to lose that game, but was like, that, was that last, was that in 2020? Cause I, I feel like we've had the, have we've had the, Kwaski Tart, Jimmy Ward will catch some interceptions bet going for a few years now. And it feels like it was in 2020 when there have been something hit him right in the chest and he dropped it. 
probably five instances between those two um, over the past couple of seasons that the ball just like hit him in the hands and and they couldn't come up with it. So like in those in the breakout post on Niners Nation, like I named George Odom as a potential breakout for the 49ers defense just by being in the right spot. Like the ball is going to hit you in the hands when you play with this defensive line, they're going to put pressure on the quarterback. When you play with a linebacker core with like Al Shire and Warner, they're going to probably tip passes, which we have plenty of examples of. Like they're going to confuse the quarterbacks. If you are in the right spot, you will have opportunities to make plays. Like yeah, that's yeah. that's what I mean with Odom. I was going to say your memory is amazing because I was just like, let me type into Twitter, Jimmy Ward dropped and see if I can find the video. And I found it. It was from November last year. J- Jameis Winston hits Jimmy Ward square in the hand that he just drops it. I think it was in the like Super third, no fans. third down or something like that. I think it was third down, and um, they went on to uh, the Saints went on to win that game. I think ah, it does. It doesn't show in, in that angle what uh, down it was, but you could just see him drop it. And so point being, been catch the ball, stuff. Jimmy. <laughs> um, but I mean. Again, we're talking Jimmy Ward is I I think the world of him, man. I think the 49ers are able to do a lot with him because of all the different things he's able to do, whether it's deep, whether it's in the slot, whether it's uh, just coming off the edge as a blitzer. And again, I think the just us talking about this defense, and I mentioned this earlier. So we have D'Amico Ryan's in his second season. And we have D'Amico Ryan's in his second season now with a cornerback he can trust. So last year, I thought he did a ph- phenomenal job. Think about the Bengals game where they have guys who they have no business being on the field against two of the better receivers in the NFL. And they are they're having to play like cover two or just play defenses where you can tell Ryan's wants nothing to do with this type of defense because that's not his style. He wants to be aggressive. So I think this time around, they're going to be a lot more aggressive. They're going to be able to play man coverage. And because of that, we're going to see a better version of not just Amico Ryan's, but a couple of the other players. So um, while while it might, they might not have the best secondary today. Eventually, like as a team, they'll for sure be the best defense in the NFL and or not the NFL, maybe the NFL shoot, but uh, in the division. So with that, tying it all back together, the 49ers will make the playoffs. And I think it'll be because of their defense, because they do have a dominant defense. And this might be the last time we get to talk about D'Amico Ryans, man. I think that he is destined for great things. Just uh, everything that I've seen from him. You could just tell he knows what he's doing. So uh, that'll do it for us. Akash, what do, you, what do you got going on? What are you looking forward to? I was going to say, your your last comment about D'Amico Ryan's got me thinking. Is he the best defensive coordinator in this division? I know we rank position ah, groups. If we were to rank de- defensive coordinators, is he better than Vance Joseph um, for the Cardinals? Uh, it's Clint Hurt, who I think they just hired newly for Yeah, it's a new uh, guy, so Seattle. And then is Raheem Morris in Los Angeles. Some and, good guys in this group. Right. I I would not be hesitant to say that D'Amico Ryan's is the best defensive coordinator in this division, especially from what I saw down the stretch last season. Yeah, they were they were pretty nasty. There's no doubt about it. Um, Raheem Morris is fresh off a Super Bowl victory, so I think he has a strong argument. Um, And I know in the NFL, when you do all these debates or in any sports, it always comes back to championships. But uh, in Ryan's case, can't can't teach the players to catch the ball you can't catch it for him i guess is the best way to put it but i wouldn't argue that if somebody said D'Amico was the best uh, after what he D'Amico did last would season, say hey jimmy garoppolo is not on my side of the ball <laughs> right. 
Um, I mean, think about it. Just as I talked about, not having competent cornerbacks and being able to get to being able to put together the season that they did last year without having guys you can trust on the perimeter says like just speaks volumes to on the type of corner and the type of creativity that he can do. And I mean, we saw how he used different type of players. So maybe he is. Let's let's give him another year before we crown him. And um, it might be uh, this time next year. It, it might be too late. So. Uh, he he could be the head coach somewhere else. Um, I'm I'm fascinated to see how his story plays out over the course of his over the course of his career. Uh, he he's destined for great things, as I said. But um, again, like, so thank you for listening. Please rate, subscribe, review wherever it is you get your podcasts. My name is Kyle Posey. You can follow me KP underscore show. Uh, Kosh, how about you? At Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Please subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network wherever you listen to us. We appreciate you for sticking with us through the offseason. We will get through this. We will have OTA's training camp here shortly. And go Niners. And Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler.